This is the Self-Taught or Not podcast with Dylan Israel and Eric Hanchett, where we teach you the do's and don'ts of software development from two software development professionals, one self-taught and one not. Hey, everybody. So today we are having a very special episode. This is going to be our smorgasbord episode. We like to do these every now and then. We have a couple of topics that we want to chat together, you, me and Dylan, about, but they don't necessarily, it's not enough for like one full podcast episode. So I, I think you guys can be interested in, in a lot of these things. We're going to talk about gatekeeping and web development. We're going to talk about what passion, what money means, uh, and also some things that have just been happening recently in the uh, web development world. So yeah, I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, I like these episodes. One, because I don't like to prepare for things. And so it's kind of nice to make a little list and spitball and shoot the shit. Uh, but two, I think sometimes, you know, it's nice to have episodes where you scratch the surface of some things rather than dive deep. And you might, you know, cover 80% of the same stuff and not, you know, move on to other things that other people might be interested in. So I think this will be nice. Sweet. Uh, so let's let's just jump on into it. So the first topic for today's episode is gatekeeping and web development. So this is kind of a topic we've touched on before, but I think there's kind of different caveats and different sides to it that we haven't talked about. For the first, uh, we, in a, we've done a couple of episodes, and I think I did a solo episode on college and becoming a web developer or, or software developer. And I think the first gatekeep that we can kind of just touch on is you know requiring a CS degree of some kind to get into uh, to become a developer, and I think this is kind of widely known that you don't need a degree to become a developer. I think when about 10, 15 years ago, I think it was a lot less common to not have a degree, or at least, uh, well, it was a lot less common to to not, to not have a CS degree and become a software developer. But it, just having a degree of some kind was sort of needed. But I think nowadays it's it's well known that there's so many ways to become a developer from being self-taught like Dylan to joining a boot camp, a coding boot camp. Uh, so there, there, I guess that's only two ways. But there, there's there's more than one path to becoming a developer. And, and the only gatekeeping that we have nowadays, at least in that regard, is the HR and the requirements of jobs. And depending on the job, it still might be a requirement. And I think I said this in one of the previous episodes, but it used to be in when I was trying to look for a job, one of my first web development jobs in well, mid-2000s, late 2000s, most of the job applications say, said CS degree required. And I think nowadays it's say it says CS degree preferred uh, and then some of them don't even mention it at all. And I think that's the new normal. Would you agree? Yeah, I I think so. It's, um, I mean, there's a lot of things preferred, right? Like I look at it like dating. Like, it's like six pack preferred, but you know, you can make up for it with like a good personality, I guess. But like, um, <laughs> it's one of those items where, uh, you know, you got to be able to make up for it. And I, I think, I think one thing that we, you know, we've talked about quite a bit is, you know, we, we tend to focus on getting your foot in the door. And I'm a firm believer that you are able to do that without a degree. You're going to have to work hard and do all that sort of stuff. But there are some caps, I think, that are a little bit harder to overcome when you get into that tech lead or dev manager 
or um, director role down the you know down the home stretch in your career that maybe required isn't the right word but um it's going to make your path a little bit easier i think but for when you get started i don't think you need it at all to be honest that's a good point i think when you move up to different rungs in an organization or you try to make that transition from developer to project manager to product manager to manager to to director vp i think credentials then start becoming a bigger issue like you know just experience it always trumps all but if you it's really hard to make that that transition into like senior management if you never went to college i think i think that it's still uh, a rubric that people use to help determine if you can be a manager if you've never been a manager before now i have heard of some people who like worked at mcdonald's and just worked their way up to being a manager and then they transitioned from that management experience from one company, and then they were able to get a management position in a tech company, and even though they never went to college. But that's, I, I still think for the most part, yeah, that's that's a little bit more needed. I also like to say, and I mentioned this in my in the college episode, my college solo episode, I believe it's episode 19 or 20, that uh, and on average, people with degrees tend to make more money than people without degrees. That's kind of been a metric that's been out there. If you look at the average salary, someone without a degree, and then as average salary, someone with a degree, the person with a degree tends to make more over their lifetime. Now, it's I don't think we've done studies to see if a self-taught developer's salary over their lifetime is as much as a, as a computer science degree's uh, salary over a lifetime. That would be an interesting observation. I, I still feel like maybe the CS degree would still make more or would still make more, more money over a lifetime because I think a lot of self-taught developers end up taking jobs for a lot less than they're worth when they first start off with. It's just kind of two, my two cents there. Anything else to add on that before I move on? No, no, I, I would just probably add for like a, uh, a path in the sense of like a lot of times, most of the people who are listening to this are aspiring developers or junior developers and like, all they're trying to do is get to that junior or senior level role. And they think the path is going to end there. And because, you know, because it's so, such a better opportunity than perhaps what they're doing right now in their life as they're trying to grow. Um, but the idea that you wouldn't be content at that, I think is might be an idea that's shocking when you're in that position, but um, something to consider as you're trying, once you are there and trying to progress your, your path and career. Cause I think what we all want, especially in a career is the ability to grow our salaries and progress. If we don't have that, it sort of goes back to feeling like a job. Uh, so keep that in mind. That's a good segue to the next part. So some gatekeepers, uh, the, the, I use that term a little facetiously, but some people say that you need passion to become a software developer. Or if you are a software developer right now, you should have passion for your craft. So I'm, I'm going to link in the show notes a blog article that I found. And this has kind of been a big tech Twitter topic recently. But And I'll go ahead and quote it. This is from Pete Holiday. An oft-repeated lie in software development is that passion is required for success. Dev Twitter has been on fire with this debate, in quotes, for the past few days, but this isn't new. Early career developers are repeatedly told that they need passion and some misguided hiring managers explicitly look for 
once again, in quotes, passion as a marker of future success. This is bullshit. So he goes on, and, and I guess his argument is that, uh, I'll, I'll continue on, people who have always been able to follow their passion, who have never needed to do something they weren't interested in, can't imagine a world where there's something as motivating as passion. Can't imagine a world that where there's something as motivating as passion. They assume that a dove who isn't passionate will quit to follow their passion because they couldn't could do that if they wanted to. This also believes either a fundamental misunderstanding of what's required to be a good developer or tacit admission that they lack the willpower to do something hard if they're not motivated by internal drive. You'll see early career devs parroting this line, mostly because they've had it drilled into their system, but also because it makes it seem like you can you can be a good dev if you just care enough. This doesn't this does those folks a disservice. It breeds imposter syndrome. Am I passionate enough? It makes them less likely to negotiate. I'm not in it for the money. It removes attainment and in progress as a function of their own actions. Being passionate is one path to become a great developer, but it's not remotely required, nor is it guaranteed. So just for me saying that to you, Dylan, what's the first thoughts come to your head? So this is something I think that's more important earlier on, especially when you're trying to land that first role. I, I do think that the author is very correct that it is drilled into us. Passion, 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 passion. Because otherwise, I don't think you're going to get to the finish line. I think as you go and you gain that experience, it becomes less and less important. And I think that's just the reality of it is that not everybody wants to live, breathe, sleep software. But I do think that people who are passionate are more likely to succeed. Do I think you need to be passionate? Absolutely not. I think it helps. I mean, I it's it's hard for me to to put myself in a mindset where I'm not passionate about it because I have everything in my life is software related it's probably the thing um other than like relationships the item i would even say more so and whether it's healthy or not that i've been most passionate in my adult life about where it's just something i've dedicated years to every hour of every day of doing this this and that so it's hard for me to be like oh if you don't have this um you know you won't succeed i i do believe that you don't need it but i also believe that the ones who have it early on in their career are going to be the ones who are going to have an easier career to get going. It makes me think that software developers, if you, it's such a, let's, let's face it. I mean, software development isn't an easy road for most people. Of course, there's going to be those outliers that like, Oh, software is easy. I just learned it over the weekend and now I got a hundred thousand dollar job. But for most of us, it's, you know, it's a slog. It's a four year college degree. It's, you know, spending months and months just learning a topic by yourself in your room, trying to leave reading up blog articles, watching YouTube videos, going through free code camp curriculum, buying Pluralsight, Udemy, you know, all our courses that we sell and trying to learn. And it's a it's such a a hard process for most people and it takes a different part of the brain, I think, than than some other things that we do in life especially web development, which you can get deep into kind of that, uh, uh, the, you can get deep into the design part of it so that, you know, I think that activates a certain part of your brain, but then you can also jump into the, into the coding part, which activates a different part of your game, of your brain, excuse me. And, you know, it just, just between everything you can do, it, it's, it's not for everyone. And if you didn't have, I don't know if passion is the right word, but if you didn't have a drive 
to do it. I think I agree with you, Dylan, that I think that's a tough road to have. It's not impossible. You can definitely not have passion for something and just do it every day because you know that it's going to be good for you and that this is something that you want to do. But I think having that uh, will help. Now, I, I think as your career progresses and you're already a software developer, passion can be a, a fuel to keep you going. It could be the fuel that you need to learn that other programming language. It could be the fuel that you need to get that get that raise because you're going to do go above and beyond and, and you're going to do it. And it's also going to be the fuel that you might need sometimes when you're in a, a rut, when you have an impossible bug that you can't fix and you spent an hour Googling and reading blog articles and reading GitHub issues and you still can't quite figure it out. Maybe having that passion is going to push you and, and try for another two or three hours. So I think it helps. Uh, definitely not required, but I think it that's an overused term. Everybody uses passion. Like you have to be passionate about this, or passionate about that. But I don't I don't think it's always that way. I think you just have like to have that internal drive. You have to have that curiosity to keep going. Yeah, I I think what I think what I I think it dies over time also. I don't mean like all of it, but I, you know, I don't maybe this you'll you'll disagree with this statement, but the majority of developers that I know who have been working for five plus years as a you know senior dev, it's not so much passion that carries them through anymore. It's more like professionalism, the the drive of understanding that this is my career. I you know I I make good money. I have a good you know career. I'm going to try and progress, and so that that drive that professionalism goes on. And most of them, the passion for it's it's hard to keep that passion in the sense of like the workforce like people ask me all the time like oh why would you want to get out of development and go into like management it's well because i i enjoy coding but i enjoy coding for myself more than i enjoy being paid to code for somebody else and so it's like that it's um it's an interesting balance where i think i think it's an overused word and it's almost a word that that it's somewhat insulting in the sense that you're telling me that someone can be completely qualified, but they don't, you know, they're not, you know, passionate that they're not a right fit. I don't, I don't like that. And that's, it's, it reminds me of these stupid job interviews I've had where they ask you like, Hey, you know, they're, they're in some weird niche ass industry. And they're like, why do you want to work in a shipping container company? Tell us about how you're passionate about shipping containers. It's like, dog i'm not i'm sorry i care nothing about shipping containers <laughs> but like <laughs> i enjoy writing software and i could do the job i mean you get to say that about a lot of jobs like you know people who are waste management or garbage disposal people or people working in plumbing you can't imagine all those people who are like gosh i want to learn about unclogging crap out of toilets and and fixing pipes and and going to flooded houses and you know, I'm sure like there's some of those people, but I think the majority think like this is a great job. I can get lots of money. Yeah, you know, gosh, I was just, well, I think I was listening to a podcast the other day and they saying that the skilled trades out there, those guys are making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. They're making just as much as software developers in some instances because there's no one wants to get into being plumbing or electricians or, or AC repair or something like that. That's been one of the um, one of the major downsides of this 
um, like you have to go to college movement that's been taking on for a couple decades is that, you know, I, I would say millennials and even before that sort of were painted this picture like, hey, if you don't go to college, you're going to be a homeless crackhead. It was really it. It's college <laughs> or nothing else. That was really the options for a lot of people, or at least how it was painted for a lot of people. And what what it has happened is now has turned people off to these sort of trades where you know, you can maybe spend three months to a year on some of them and go and get a skill set that you can now have make enough money to you know, live a okay life and, you know, figure out what to go from there, whether you expand your, maybe you start a business, expand it, all that. But it's, it's essentially painted this picture for trade workers that if you go into that, that you are, you are settling. And that's been something that's put a real foul taste in my mouth. Yeah, I agree too. I, I think there's definitely plenty of room out there for skilled trades and that it's a, a definitely a good option for a lot of people. I think what happens is, that the people aren't are that are not going to college aren't getting into those trade skills. Like if they were, then that would be great. But a lot of them are like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to be like, I'm going to go into people's houses and fix things. People aren't like that. And also I think it's just, yeah, the mentality people look down on it for some reason. It's, I mean, there's, it's an honest living and makes pretty good money from what I've heard, depending on the location where you're at. Let's move on to, um, from passion. And by the way, the passion, I just I was trying to look at the dictionary.com's definition of passion, and they call it strong, barely controllable emotion. It's kind of funny thinking about like software development. Like, are you so emotional about software development? You like, I love it. Everywhere you go, you have like this euphoria. I don't think anybody can maintain that for five years. <laughs> so, I think maybe right when I was getting into software development, I got my, software development, and I got my first job. I Maybe that's how you could describe me. I was like so excited to to be in there and learning. But I think after five, you know, ten plus years of of doing software development, and QA, and all that, I definitely don't think that describes what I do now. Uh, although I do, I do have some times where I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like you, you know, you spend all day work trying to fix a bug, and then you finally fix it, or or you're working on a pretty complicated web page for your company and then you get it done at the end you look at it and you're like wow that's this has all been well worth it 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 all works great and has no bugs i mean that's like i guess you could call that a little bit of a passion right at the end uh let anyway so another kind of gatekeeping thing that uh that i've uh, started hearing about there was this tweet that went around last week that said something to the extent of i'm not going to shout anybody's names out but it was like uh, you know, then the, the thing I like most about my my job, and this was a, a software developer, is the money. And oh boy, just that one tweet just went viral and got hundreds of responses and thousands of retweets. And I think most of it was supporting this person, being like, "Hey, it's okay that you know if you love your job, the mo- the thing you like most about your job is the money. That's completely okay." And but then there was some people on the other side saying, "Well, wait a minute, if you're doesn't that imply if that the you know your favorite thing about your job or the thing you like most about your job is the money that you don't necessarily like doing your job? And so that kind of went around a little bit. And then there was another tweet I saw that that said, uh, "I'm going to delete this tweet later, but but just making sure you all know that that you're all aware that doing a job predominantly for the money 
and being really good at doing that job are not mutually exclusive. So it just kind of made me think like, okay, so money definitely is important for everyone. Like if you are in this profession in software development, it's okay to like money. It's okay to to do do it for the money. But I guess the question is, if you're just predominantly doing the job for the money or you get into software development for the money, is that okay? Is that enough? And can you still be really good at your job if all you're just doing it is for the money? What say you? Yeah, I'd be interested to know the people who are the detractors on this comment if any of them were actually software engineers. And so like I think there's this this vocal mob a bit of aspiring developers who the idea that you wouldn't just absolutely be in euphoria, that euphoria passion we talked about and work as a software engineer um and just for for you know for not doing the money and for not like good amounts of money is a a a, a, a um, short-sighted ideal i guess and i i i don't know like i i, I guess i want i would wonder are there any senior level developers that are working and to be like oh my god i can't believe you said that that'd be my first question the second thing is i i i mean I I give you uh something from my my own life like I I enjoy it for the the passion and all you know I have all these projects but the truth of the matter is is that if I made less money at there's a point at which I'm just gonna go do my own thing um, I work for a company because they pay me well and I you know I enjoy the benefits that are there but I'm I'm somebody else's employee uh, the money doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense and there's no shame in that and. I would say as part of my job, yeah, the money is a, a major part. So I, I have no issue with it. I understand it. But I also have a weird relationship with money that a lot of people um, think I speak too openly about it and too directly. And so perhaps that's playing a little bit into it. But I I um I think that's fine. I think that the it goes back to our passion conversation where it's going to carry passion can only carry you so far. And then it's professionalism and, and drive and things like that. But in my one year review, they asked me what I wanted out of my career and what my goals were. And I was like, I'm pretty simple, man. I want to make more money and I want to be promoted like that. <laughs> that's it. And like, I want to be promoted to learn new skills, but it's also to make more money. And like, you know, the, my bosses and, you know, my boss's boss and all that sort of stuff, they understood that. And I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. When the paychecks stop coming, I'm going to stop coming to work. That's just how it's going to work out. <laughs> that's capitalism, right? You get paid for your labor and, and you have a highly specialized labor. I kind of go back and forth on this. So Dylan, if you, so is money the most important thing about your job? It's It's hard to say it's the most important thing about my job. It is the reason I have a job, I think, is a fair fair statement. It's like the old joke, like, oh, hey, why do you want to work for us? Well, because I don't really like the idea of poverty and hunger. And so it's it's one of those items where you can... It's kind of this dark thing when you phrase it. Like, you can paint it very black and white. Like, hey, if you don't pay me, I'm not showing up. And you could do the same thing about relationships, where at some point, if there's no more intimacy, then the relationship's over. And it's not, you know, that's a very dark way of putting these things, but it is true, truthful. The best part of my job is a lot of things, but 
if the paychecks aren't there, then I am, I'm not either. And I think it's okay to phrase it that way. Cause I think so many developers are taken advantage of whether it's with low salaries or working tons of hours due to some misguided um, form of loyalty. And I would say the, the money is the reason I work my job. The best part of my job is not money, I guess, if that makes sense. What, what, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. What, have, what if software development was more like teaching? You know, teachers on average, especially in the United States, don't make much money. You might make $40,000 salaries or $50,000 salaries if you are more, if you've been in the, uh, been teaching for a while. If, if that was more like software development and so it wasn't as much about the money, maybe the, obviously they would, you still get paid. Would that change your outlook on being a software developer? Absolutely. And I think that's a fair thing. I chose software development um, based off of what the Bureau of Labor of Science and Statistics said, which was that computer science was the fastest growing field, had large salaries, and had um, had a lot of jobs. And that's how I got started. And I happened to like it once I dove deep. And um, I would... There's a point of diminishing returns of like what makes sense working. So one of the great things about software development is the ability to go and figure out how to make passive income streams and how to make money online, which a lot of a lot of people don't have the skill set or the knowledge to do so. At forty thousand dollars a year, I'd be working for myself um, in no time, or I'd be making a career change to something that paid better. Um, I don't. I've I've never wanted to go through life making a um, a um, average income or an average uh, lifestyle. And so like the high salary is not just because I want money, it's just because I want to set up my future and things like that. But um, I would not work professionally as a software engineer with all the stress that goes along with that role uh, for $40,000 a year to answer the question. Not in a a million years. (laughs) (laughs) It is a very stressful profession, especially when you get into the deadlines and, and management and things like that. It can become stressful. I like the point you made, though, and you mentioned just for a second, is that you ended up liking it. I think that's what's missing from some of these conversations. It's not just about, you know, are you just in the industry for the money or is it do you actually like it? And I think that's where the disconnect that I have is, is if you are just in it for the money, but you don't like it, then I feel like that you can't be as a good of a software developer as other people. So it's really hard to hate your job. Let's use the word hate to describe the opposite feeling of liking. So if you hate your job, I don't think that most people could do a very good job at something like software development, which takes a lot of thought and a lot of um, preparation. I don't think you can do that well if you didn't like your job. And I think there might be a corollary or causation. I don't know. There might be some kind of people who are just in it for the money and then people who don't necessarily like their jobs. I think it doesn't have to be. I think there's plenty of people who are in it for the money but love doing it too. And that's completely fine. But the money thing is really driving most people. Uh, would you agree with that or disagree? Or? Um, I think that's probably the truth. I, I think it's kind of a sad truth. Um, but I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think learning a skill that, you know, you may not be in love with, but is going to give you the lifestyle 
that you want to live is commendable, especially, you know, we all have bills. Uh, most of us have children and, and families and all that sort of crap that goes along with life and wanting a good life for your family and saying, you know what, I'm willing to work a profession that perhaps I don't love, but I find tolerable is a better alternative than poverty perhaps like that's that's i mean it's it's all about what you compare it to right like i i'm not a believer that like oh hey you can't be successful with something that you're not a hundred percent in love with i disagree completely i think it makes it easier i think it absolutely makes it easier to be like oh hey i'm gonna put in 20 hours this week to build a project because i like it and i you know it's gonna help my job than to be like oh i'm gonna build 20 hours i'm gonna work out 20 hours for something i hate you know like it's it makes it easier but it's not the end all be all Yep. Yeah, I was finding the mute button there, but I, I I think of it like this week, last couple of weeks, I've been working out, and I've been trying to go three times a week, and I'm finding out that I don't love it. Like I'm not one of those guys that get in the gym and I get a bunch of endorphins rushing into me, and I'm like, ah, this is awesome. I'm in here. I'm like, I kind of trudge into the gym. I'm a little tired. The first few reps I do, I'm not, you know, super good. But I think by the end of the by the end of the time I, I'm done with my workout, I feel much better. I feel a little bit like my spirits are a little up. But then next time I know I have to go to the gym, I'm back down to like, oh, gosh, I don't want to go. So does that mean like I can't be good at, but you know, I can't gain more muscle? I can't be good at what I'm doing? No, I think I could definitely be good at it, even though I don't love it. I think software development for me, just to answer some of the questions I asked you, is something that I started off with uh just really, I would have to say, since I was a kid, kind of starting off with game development was kind of something I was interested in. Is is uh, was definitely a passion of mine, something I really enjoyed and liked. I remember taking the first few classes in programming and in high school, and I just really liked it. I think that kind of waned a little bit and for a while, but I always wanted, pretty much since the age of thirteen or fourteen, to be a software developer. So it's harder for me to come in and say I'm not like one of those people who changed careers in their 20s and became a software developer or or didn't think I wanted to be a software developer at one time. It was kind of always something that I was striving for, even though I had a few setbacks. And I think right now, money is definitely a very important part of what I'm doing. It's It, it kind of drives me in some ways. It helps me clarify what, what I want to do and, and if I want to change roles and, and where I want to go. Uh, I will say one thing to kind of finish off this topic is that I think that if you go into a role like software development and, you know, right now we're still in the phase where there's not, there's never enough software developers, at least qualified software developers. But if we just start getting a flood of people who get into this industry, who are just in it for the money, I I feel like it's overall, it like the level of software developer is going to be kind of going down because you're going to have a bunch of people who are getting into it just because they know it's good money and not all of them are going to be actually really good at their skills. And in fact, some of them, maybe not all of them, but maybe a half of them may not even be very good at their jobs because they're just in it for the money. And and then also it takes away from those other professions those people could have gone into. So maybe someone, I think I made this example in a previous episode, but maybe someone really always wanted to be a teacher and that they, they wanted to work with kids but they see software development as a way to, you know, to make a lot more money. So they decide to learn to code 
into instead of be a teacher and then we have less teachers and then we have more people who are just in it for the money in the software industry who may or may not be very good so that's kind of my thought on that any any other parting words uh yeah i mean i i i think the idea that we have to we have to always pursue our passion is is childish to a degree i think you have to take into consider real world you know situations and the teacher example well you know there's there's a everyone has to decide what type of life they want to live and you know i i want to be a teacher but i won't do it because one i have to go get a degree but two i'm making money so i have to figure out a way where i make money because your income is the greatest asset that you can have that's why i'm like very low dead and you know dave ramsey type of lifestyle bullshit right so um you can go and get your dreams in various ways. So if your goal is to be a teacher, perhaps you go and become a teacher after you work 10 years as a software engineer, save every dollar you can, pay your house off and do this and that. But everyone has to make this balance between being able to live life and being able to chase their dream and do what it is they want to do while still being you know, a provider or whatever it is that you want to call it with health insurance, life insurance, retirement, you have to make that choice. And I I think it's somewhat disrespectful for us to go and be like, oh, hey, if you just chose this for the money that, you know, it's bad for the industry or bad for you or bad for me. And I I think it's, I think it's okay. I I really do. I I think it's gonna be harder for that person, but I understand, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yep. Yep. Let's, Let's move on to a couple of other topics. So I think that that's going to wrap the bow in the gatekeeper stuff. I think it's an interesting, kind of interesting thought experiment of of why people get into this and why we're gatekeeping people out of it. I, I think it's funny. I think the biggest gatekeepers is companies, and I think that they have the right to hire someone who has passion or doesn't have passion, or someone has a degree or doesn't have a degree, as long as they're not, as long as they're not discriminating against people that's like a protected class or that's it's illegal to do so they can hire anyone that they want at the end of the day and i think that's important for at least in the united states that we still allow people and companies to do that and to gatekeep however they want as long as it's legal <laughs> uh okay so let's move on to to uh, we had some questions from uh, some previous episodes and I had asked on our Cotech and Caffeine forum I, uh, if anybody had any questions. And I did get one back. And the question is, and I'm bringing it up right now, is why do many developers suck at design? To me, this is a, a pretty straightforward question. It's because it's a different skill set. Uh, that's it. It's the equivalent of saying like, Hey, how come many developers can't paint? Well, like truly I think of it that way where this is not the same skill set as being a software engineer and a lot of companies, especially on the smaller to mid-sized companies where they like to combine roles are like, it's on a computer screen. You work on a computer screen. Bam. It's part of your job, baby. Like <laughs> that's how a lot of them think. And I, to me, it's just a different skill set. So of course people wouldn't be good at it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty. I, I've definitely suffered this, where I, 
I actually struggled with CSS a little bit when I started working and doing mostly web development, doing CSS designs. And then I kind of, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've done pretty well of nailing that down. But then the design part is still like, it's such a huge skill set to be good, be a good designer, to understand all the differences between when you put this font versus this font, you know, where does the eye naturally lead to when you look at a page? You know, there's also a whole user experience type of field, which sometimes gets lumped into design as well. So there's kind of like, they call it UI UX. And that's kind of a merging field of not just can you throw the code on the screen and know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, but do you know why you would do this? Like, what are some like good tips, like line heights? Like, should you have line heights everywhere? Uh, the spacing between your letters, like maybe how many spaces should be between letters? How many letters should you have in a paragraph in one line? Actually, in one line and then also in, in a paragraph. Like, because th there's a lot of science between this. I think some of it's it's more uh, it's more artistry than than science. <laughs> it's it's not necessarily hard fast rules that you can always follow. And there's so, there's some, but it's really interesting just deep diving into that and just how do you make something visually pleasing appeasing? Uh, certainly, 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 certainly something that I want to learn more about, but I'm not super into it, and I have enough worries about how can I get my code to work the right way in the back end but it's it's just a different skill set i think that's a good point to that one yeah and there's nothing wrong with the skill set i think it's a great thing to have and if you happen to be someone who can do software development and you've taken the time to learn ui ux that's fine there are some companies that will find that very valuable i would say by and large the companies that i have been interviewed with or companies who have sent me resumes or not resumes job apps are usually the smaller companies that just want you to do two jobs and not pay you for it and usually they pay you worse is how, how it ends up going but i think it's a fine skill set to have but it is a different skill set and luckily a lot of companies too that may not have in-house designers there is a million companies out there that will do design for you and so you can, and there's millions of, not millions, but there's a lot, many hundreds of thousands of contractors that will do design for you too. So it's a skill that's definitely important, but it's in the organizations I've worked for, I've always felt like design has been kind of an afterthought and either the design is left up to the developer or they outsource the design to some company that just provides PSDs or Zeppelin mocks or sketch or the other like 10 other design programs out there and then the developer just has to take the design that's already created and put it in there of course i've also seen too like the designs are never very detailed there's always like some details left out that you as a developer will have to figure out and be like okay if i was a user how would i use this so that's that's also important to realize I, i've never had a design given to me that was that kind perfect. of encompassed every yeah perfect right yeah, there's always and, some interpreting, and, and that goes back because it's a different skill set. They don't think from a software engineer perspective; they think of like, "Oh, this will look nice and pretty and make sense to flow," but they don't think about the edge cases and you know all that sort of stuff. Have you ever gotten a design that you've looked at and been like, "This is impossible"? Like, <laughs> like what you want me to do here, like is going to be really difficult for the user, or 
like the back end, the code I have behind this is going to have to be completely rewritten. It doesn't make any sense. It's going to take me double the time. Yeah, yeah. And I've gone back and I said, this is, this is stupid. And so like, it's like the, the, the niceness of what you want is so minimal to the level of effort it would take to implement. And it's not because I'm an idiot. It's just technically speaking to what you want that it's not worth it. Go back and change this, please. That takes a lot of bravery to go back to a manager or design team and be like, hey, listen, like this is this is not gonna work or so, this is gonna be like way too hard. To that to that point, I don't necessarily think it's bravery so much as professionalism. I think there's a part of us that needs to go and understand that these are oftentimes more discussions and that there's a difference between like, oh hey, we thought you could do this in an hour or two or half a day or a day, and then you'd be like, actually it's gonna take like three, four, five days. And making it known to that and then they decide if it's worth it to them or not and a lot of times when it comes to the ui at least has been my 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 perspective or my um experience is that unless it's like a client facing product where like people are buying things off that page they don't care okay cool yeah do it do you know do the best you can it's usually usually the answer i get yeah i have been in situations where it is a client facing and it is like something that could generate revenue. And then the stakes are like, whoa, whoa, okay, let's talk about this. How long is this going to take? I think UI and design are easy to blame in organizations for problems. So if something isn't happening, like like the sales aren't a certain uh, number that they want to hit, it's easy to go back, well, how can we fix this? Well, it must be the design of the website. It must be uh, the... Uh, you know, the slowness of it. It must be this. It's easy kind of a scapegoat to blame. But I think a lot of times there's like, there's blame that can be passed around to, to many different places. It's usually not just one thing. It's just not just the design. It could be also the marketing. It could also be uh, just the positioning. It could be a lot of things. Let's, uh, you, there's a couple other things that are happening. I guess we could wrap up here. And if, um, but do you want to talk about some other things things that are happening i think you yeah, have some there, more there's been a couple of things in the youtube space i thought would be interesting to talk about and uh, two major uh youtube developers are taking breaks for different reasons we have fun fun function who is uh taking a leave of absence for an undisclosed amount of time and then traversa media who's taking a break um for his own um health reasons well he did a video about that that you can go and watch if you're interested yeah, this is interesting. You know, I have been doing, me and Dylan have been doing YouTube for a while, Dylan uh, a little bit longer than me. But man, the grind of just knowing that you have to every single week for like four years, five years, like, okay, got to do a video and trying to like put something together and the pressure. And there's a little bit of pressure too. Once you start getting some traction on YouTube and you know that it's not just you and you know, 10 other people watching and you're getting hundreds, if not thousands of views per video, then you're like, okay, what does my audience want? And then you have to do research to figure out a topic that you, that you want to put up there. And you got to kind of think like, okay, I got to do a thumbnail. Like what should the thumbnail should I use? And then there's the editing and it's like a content treadmill that never ends. And it, it just, there's just so much to it. Like I, I've faced this recently too. Um, just coincidentally, about the same time I saw that Fun Fun Function was leaving and Traversing Media was taking a break, I was just like, gosh, you know, I I really don't want to get up today 
and create a video for tomorrow. Like this is, this sucks because it's going to take like two hours of my time. I'm going to have to research this topic. I'm going to have to record the video. It's going to take like 20, 30 minutes to record. I'm going to spend another 20, 30 minutes editing it. Then I have to babysit the upload and then I have to write the description and then I have to get my thumbnail taken care of and uploaded and I have to set the schedule and then I have to put timestamps in at every single place in the, in the, uh, in the video. So like, it's a pretty long process for now for me to create a video. Like I'm going to have to create one today. I was going to try to create two today after this, but I'm probably going to be able to create one. Cause it's just, it's, it's so time consuming and it just takes a little bit out of you. And after doing it for this many years, it just, it's, it's hard. And I, and I, I noticed the video that fun fun function put up, it said something like, like I've never done something this long ever in my life. Cause I think he's been doing it for eight years or something crazy like that. And I never realized it would go on this long. And so it's just, I, I just, I'm, I just feel I'm like, it's just so hard to keep doing for, for years and years. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, a, a thing to consider is like, these are essentially careers at the end of the day. They're maybe not in traditional sense and maybe don't make as much money, but people change careers, uh, especially in the millennial generation and around the same time more often than um than not for a lot of people i think it's like every five years or something like that where people change jobs and they want a different different um you know different take on things and it's it's hard to it's hard to have that same level of consistency uh, as you know whatever you know as we've talked a lot about passion and I think your passion, the thing about passion is that it comes and goes in, in different directions. And so a lot of people have gone and left software engineering, do YouTube full time. And they've, you know, they've done the inverse where they're doing YouTube full time and they've got a dev job and now they're happy with that. And their passion's on, you know, more of the traditional take. And it's, it's a hard thing for, I think, a lot of people who haven't done a side project for long term to relate to. Because they're just, even if you're just starting one, you're in the like, very much so like a relationship where like things are going well and you're, you're so, you're somewhat obsessed and you're like, oh, I love it. How could I never love this? But you know, five years pass from now and you're like, oh, this shit again. And like, <laughs> I, I understand, <laughs> I, I understand it. I really do. And, um, you know, I think the thing about YouTube is it's so public a lot of times that you, even if it's not like everything else where like, if you did something that got no traction and you're just like, I'll just drop that shit. Nobody will know, but it's, it's becomes to a degree, a point of um, a defining factor of who you are. And so you have to address it and, and do these things. But I think it's, I think it's understandable to, to leave something and then come back down the road when that, that passion or, you know, maybe not even passions, just that drive to continue on with something that, you know, you're happy about where it is currently. Yeah. Maybe just taking breaks. It'll help. I think, yeah, you know, burnout from creators is definitely real. A couple of years ago, there was a bunch of big YouTubers that made videos about burnout. Even PewDiePie, like the king of YouTube, who has been doing daily videos for gosh, 10 years or something finally took like a month or month and a half break at the beginning. I think it was this year. Everybody was like, oh my God, PewDiePie's taking a break. He's going to quit. Oh my God. And then he just came back after a month and a half and now he's back to daily videos. But even even the biggest creators take breaks. 
And I think you need to every now and then just to kind of recharge the batteries. I definitely am thinking about taking a break. I haven't decided yet. It's just been uh, just a, been a slog lately for my channel. I've had some really high highs in the last few months. I've had some of my best months ever. And then I've had some lows um, just kind of coming off from those highs and be like, oh, well, now I'm back down, you know, 10, 20,000 views this month for no particular reason. And so that's kind of hard to, to go through. It, it is fun when you're getting to the size, you know, me and Dylan's channels are because we're starting to see a lot more sponsors coming in. We get more opportunities are coming in, but it just feels like that pressure is a lot. And I know you've changed your channel too. Speaking of which, that you, Dylan, I know you, at the beginning you did like for your first couple of years were tons of free code camp videos and just kind of just some other crazy videos that you had done. But I think the last year or two, you've pretty much focused on live screencasts, just answering, doing Q&As and questions. And so have you felt like that was the right idea for your channel? Is that how you keep it going? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely should... Echo, I can echo the sentiment of like, God, it'd be nice to take a break. And like last month, I put one video out instead of like the eight I do. I try to do two a week. Um, and I've been missing that more and more. And part of it's like, oh, this shit again. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I, I enjoy it and I like it. But here we are. Um, but yeah, so I the thing that's been able to allow me to keep doing it for now four or five years, which is obscene and like, it's, it's just an ob obscene thing amount of time really is that i've always said youtube will be an extension of my learning and like i try to put something out there that i'm learning and working on and um you know the, the thing that's made youtube harder in recent times is that what i've been learning isn't i'm not learning as much in the sense that i'm building a lot of other things and so because of that there's less content to make about that and so the sort of talking based videos about the industry and whatnot and what's going on are something that are easier for me to do and still keep it fun. And I think that's really the key is finding a way to keep it fun. A lot of people, I think they get burnt out on any project that they're on when it starts feeling too much like a job because you're like, you know, you're like, motherfucker, I have a job, right? This is like, <laughs> I don't want to. This is supposed to be how I de-stress a little bit and it becomes much more stressful over time. Yeah, it's like the the guys that can build cars out of their garages. Like, I bet you that's pretty fun for them because they get all these parts and they have to kind of think of how to put it all together. But I bet you if they had to build a car in their garage every single weekend for the next five years, they would probably buy the you know 500th car. They would be like, God, I hate this. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's kind of how it is for us. It's yeah, I think I've lost a little bit because... I kind of pivoted my channel maybe a couple of years ago to doing more tutorials and it's served me well and I've built a, a good niche community, but it's also now to the point where like tutorial, creating tutorials take a lot of time and effort. And, and so I've been kind of switching back now from doing tutorials to more like just talking videos because those are so much easier and, and they're so much more fun. And I'm always jealous about, I guess more, jealousy is not the right word. I'm envious of those channels that all it is is someone talking in front of the camera for 10, 20 minutes, and they literally get, you know, tens of thousands of views, like way bigger than my channel. I'm like, God, if I could just do what they're doing. And of course, there's a lot of reasons 
you know, they have tens of thousands of views. A lot of them are just the way they talk and, and they're just really inter- highly entertaining. And it's something that I can't easily duplicate, but it kind of makes me feel like, gosh, if I could kind of move over to, to doing that, that, that would be what I want to do. So to wrap that all up, it's definitely something I'm thinking about too, of, of how I want to keep it fun as Dylan put and keep doing it. You know, it's also another thing too, is I've, I'm kind of known with my friends and family is the YouTube guy. Like I don't talk about it much, but it feels like that might be a part of my identity right now. They're like, Oh, Eric, he, here's Eric. Oh, and he also does YouTube on the part-time. You got to check out his channel. Like that's how people introduce me sometimes. And I'm always kind of a little bit embarrassed about it, but I feel like if I stop doing YouTube, then I won't be the YouTube guy and it would be why, a little different. Why would you be embarrassed? I don't know. Like, cause I guess I still think that sometimes people think of YouTube, they think of PewDiePie and stupid cat videos and stuff like that. And kind of putting yourself out there is at least for me is, is still a little embarrassing because especially people I don't know they might see the YouTube channel and think of me a different way than I really am maybe I guess it doesn't really embarrass me that much but I the, the worst thing is like no I guess there, there's no real worst thing maybe if people who don't know me kind of look at that first they may come up with their own conclusions which may not be what who I really am hmm. All right. what do you think I I don't know <laughs> I've always been very proud of uh of um youtube and what it's done for my career and generally speaking i you know it's all software development so like i don't really think there's too much to um worry about in that aspect but i i think anybody who would judge you off the fact that you have a youtube channel needs to realize it's 2020 i guess (laughs) and and we are for the most part our channels are pretty uncontroversial we'll talk we're talking about you know helping someone teach them view or giving them advice in their careers it's not like we're talking about controversial subjects or something where you know definitely there could be some judgment there if we were like far left wing or far right wing commentators on the internet that would be a completely different story than hey let me teach you how software development works and (laughs) here's how you create a app in view like that i think that also helps with with not not worrying about it too much. All right, well, that's all I got. I, do you want to wrap this up, or do you want to? Do you have any other topics you want to bring up? I got nothing else. I hope everyone has a good week, weekend, whatever it is, whatever time. Just enjoy yourself. Stop and smell the roses. Here, here. Hey guys, thanks for watching. If you want to find more about what I'm up to, go to DylanIsrael.com. And if you want to know what I'm up to, you can check out my website at eric.video. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And if you do, you might even be featured on our next episode. Don't forget to check out the website at selftaughtornot.com. From there, you can sign up for a mailing list where we give away free courses and a bunch of cool stuff. And we'll also let you know when the next episode comes out. And finally, if you didn't know we have a facebook group it's called code tech and caffeine we have over 10,000 members and you can find the link at selftaughtornot.com so come join us we have tons of developers willing to help you guys mentor you guys check it out just make sure you go to selftaughtornot.com and check out the code tech and caffeine link thanks and take care <laughs>